0: Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, Grady Stiles, better known as Lobster Boy. But first, your true crime headlines. A 14-year-old Alabama boy is in custody after confessing to the murders of his father, stepmother, and three siblings. The victims were identified as 38-year-old John and 35-year-old Mary Sisk. Father and stepmother of the accused and their children aged six years, five years, and six months old. All five were shot to death in their home in Elkwood, Alabama, a small town of about 500 people located near the Tennessee border. Police say that the 14-year-old placed the initial call to 911, telling the dispatcher that he was in the basement of his home when he heard gunshots and ran outside. When police arrived, they found one adult and two children dead and one adult and one child in critical condition. Those victims were airlifted and died at the hospital a short time later. Though he initially denied involvement, the 14-year-old eventually confessed to the killings. Police have not released a motive and have withheld the name of the suspect due to his young age. Police said that the 9 millimeter handgun used in the shooting was in the home illegally, but they did not elaborate. The teen is currently being held in a juvenile facility as authorities continue their investigation. The alleged mastermind of a 1992 murder plot that left a young Indiana girl dead has been released from prison. Melinda Loveless, now 43, was granted parole after serving more than 26 years for murder and criminal confinement in the killing of Shanda Scherer, who was lured from her home by Loveless and three other teenage girls before being viciously tortured and murdered. Scherer was just 12 years old. Believing that Scherer had stolen her girlfriend, Loveless recruited three other girls to help her scare Scherer. On the night of January 11th, 1992, Scherer snuck out of her house after her father had gone to bed and willingly got into a car with the girls, not knowing that Loveless was hiding in the back seat. Once Loveless revealed herself, the girls pounced, tying up Scherer and driving her to a remote location where she was beaten, stabbed, and eventually doused with gasoline and burned alive. She was tortured, for nearly nine hours before her death. Hope Rippey and Tony Lawrence, both 15, would confess to police the next day. They admitted to luring Sharer from her home, but told investigators that the murder was carried out by 16-year-old Loveless and 17-year-old Lori Tackett. All four girls were arrested and tried as adults. Tony Lawrence cooperated with investigators and was only charged with criminal confinement. She was sentenced to up to 20 years in prison and served nine before her release in 2000. Hope Rippey accepted a plea deal and was sentenced to a maximum of 60 years with 10 years suspended sentence and 10 years probation. That was reduced to 35 years on appeal and Rippey was paroled in 2006. Lori Tackett was sentenced to 60 years in prison and served 26 before her release in January of 2018. Melinda Loveless also received a sentence of 60 years. She walked out of prison last week after serving less than half. The infamous Hotel Cecil, which was the inspiration for the fifth season of the television show American Horror Story, is reportedly set to begin renovations later this year. The downtown Los Angeles landmark was built in the 1920s as a posh hotel catering to business travelers, but the Great Depression turned the area around the hotel into Skid Row, and the Cecil became a low-cost hotel and rooming house. The hotel was once the home base of serial killer Richard Ramirez, and has been the site of many suicides, murders, and mysterious deaths over its nearly 100-year history. Most recently, the 2013 death of Elisa Lam, a tourist who vanished during her stay at the Hotel Cecil. She was last seen in surveillance video from the hotel's elevator, acting strangely and possibly talking to someone off camera. Her body was found nearly three weeks later, floating in the hotel's rooftop water tank. Her death was officially ruled an accident, but the mysterious circumstances surrounding her death caused many to call those findings into question. The development plans for the Hotel Cecil include affordable housing units and a boutique hotel. Construction is set to begin before the end of the year. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next... Grady styles. but first, a quick break. If you've been searching for a natural deodorant that actually works, look no further. Go Native. Native creates safe, simple, effective products that people use in the bathroom every day. I've tried so many natural deodorants, and was disappointed, but Native really works. Formulated without aluminum, parabens, or talc, Native uses ingredients found in nature that you can actually recognize, like coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. Native will keep you dry and fresh with subtle scents like coconut and vanilla, eucalyptus and mint, and my favorite, lavender and rose. They also offer an unscented formula and baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. And with no animal testing, Native isn't just better for your body, it's better for everybody. Try Native risk-free, with free returns and exchanges inside the United States. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code MM at checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com, promo code MM, at checkout. Welcome back to Murder Minute. On today's episode, Grady Stiles, better known as Lobster Boy. On July 18, 1937, Grady Franklin Stiles, Jr., was born with a condition known as ectrodactyly, a rare mutation in which the middle fingers of the hand are missing and the fingers on either side are fused together, giving them a lobster-claw-like appearance. The feet are also sometimes affected, as was the case with Grady Stiles. Unable to walk on his flipper-like feet, Grady was confined to a wheelchair for most of his life but Grady didn't let his condition slow him down as a result of his wheelchair confinement Grady learned early in his life how to use his upper body to get around and developed extreme upper body strength and Grady wasn't the only one in his family with ectrodactyly in fact Grady was the fourth generation of his family to inherit the condition. Since 1805, when Grady's ancestor William Stiles was born with the condition, the family became famous for the lobster claw deformity, passing it down from generation to generation. From the age of seven years old, Grady was put on the sideshow stage, touring the country, billed as the lobster boy alongside his father, Grady Stiles Sr., the Lobster Man. While working the carnival circuit, the lobster boy met a young woman named Mary Teresa. Mary had run away at the age of 19 from an abusive home and joined the carnival as a staff member. Mary and Grady fell in love, and in 1958, they were married. The couple had two children together, Donna and Kathy Stiles. Kathy inherited her father's ectrodactyly and soon Grady brought her into the act, which from then on was billed on the carnival circuit as the Lobster Family. The family was now making a good living, pulling in between $50,000 and $80,000 a season. When the family wasn't touring, they resided in Gibsonton, Florida, also known as Showtown USA, a place where circus performers were known to take up residence during the off-season. But far from the loving family portrayed in the lobster family's promotional photos, behind closed doors, the lobster family was troubled. Grady was an abusive alcoholic. His fits of rage and anger were physically and mentally abusive. Grady used his incredible upper body strength to beat, headbutt, and choke his wife and children, and often ran into them in his wheelchair for fun. Grady also refused to let his daughter Kathy go out in public without wearing large leather gloves not to protect her from prying eyes, but to protect the family business, saying that no one should be able to get a free peek at their hands. Mary even said that Grady repeatedly sexually assaulted her, sometimes with foreign objects. Kathy went so far as to describe her father as Satan himself. Finally, One night in 1973, Grady pushed his wife over the edge. He threw Mary to the ground, reached inside her, and ripped the IUD out of her body with his bare hands. Mary left, and the couple divorced. When Mary failed to show up in court, Grady Stiles won custody of their two daughters mary remarried another carnival performer the world's smallest man grady soon married barbara browning and grady's new wife gave birth to the newest addition to the lobster family grady styles III, who was also born with ectrodactyly by 1978 grady's 15-year-old daughter donna wanted out The ninth grader had fallen in love with an 18-year-old high school dropout named Jack Lane, and the two were soon engaged. Grady refused to consent to the marriage, but Donna was determined to leave with Jack. In a desperate attempt to break free, Donna even fabricated a pregnancy, hoping that it would make her father permit the marriage. But Grady wouldn't budge. He hated Jack, and often said that he wanted to kill him. At one point, Grady took Donna with him to a pawn shop and purchased a 32 caliber revolver, joking with Donna that he was going to use it on Jack. Donna ran away and called her father from Jack's sister's house. If you don't come home in five minutes, I'm going to beat the hell out of you, Grady said. Then I'm going to kill Jack. Donna told her father that if he wouldn't consent to the marriage, she would just live with him anyway. Grady backed down, gave his consent, and the wedding date was set for September 28th. On September 27th, Donna, Jack, and her stepmother, Barbara, bought a wedding dress at the mall. When they returned to the Stiles' home, they found Grady in the living room, without his wheelchair. As Donna and Barbara went to look for it, Grady called Jack over to him. Grady pulled the gun out from under the cushion of his chair and shot Jack in the chest. Jack turned and tried to run and Grady shot him a second time in the back. He shot me, Jack said, as he stumbled outside and collapsed in front of Donna. As her fiancé died in her arms, Donna looked at her father. Grady smiled and said, I told you I would kill him. When the police arrived to arrest him, Grady didn't put up a fight. Take me. I'm ready, he said. Grady confessed to the crime immediately. At trial, Grady Stiles was remorseless. Seated in his wheelchair, Grady played the concerned father trying to protect his underage daughter from an older man. He even claimed self-defense, saying that Jack had attacked him. Grady Stiles was convicted of third-degree murder. But due to his ectrodactyly, in combination with cirrhosis of the liver due to his alcoholism and emphysema from smoking, the state determined that the prison system was not equipped to care for someone in his condition. Grady was instead sentenced to house arrest and just 15 years' probation. Donna never spoke to her father again. And after the trial, Barbara and Grady divorced. When Grady promised his ex-wife Mary that he was a changed man and had stopped drinking, Mary remarried Grady. But it didn't take long for Grady to return to his old ways and now that he knew that he could get away with murder, he was more violent than ever. Grady drank heavily and mercilessly abused and taunted his family, telling them, I killed before and got away with it. I can do it again. As Grady beat Mary with a belt, he told her, I'm going to kill you but the timing's just not right. When Kathy, who was seven months pregnant, attempted to intervene, Grady beat her so severely that she went into labor prematurely. Kathy was rushed to the hospital for an emergency C-section and gave birth to a daughter, Misty, the sixth generation born with ectrodactyly. Finally, the family had had enough. In 1992, Mary and her son from a previous marriage, Harry Glenn Newman Jr., hired 17-year-old Chris Wyatt to kill Grady Stiles for $1,500. Mary was too afraid to leave Grady again, fearing that this time... He would kill her and the children. At approximately 11 p.m. on the 29th of November, Chris Wyatt crept into the Stiles' mobile home and shot 55-year-old Grady Stiles in the back of the head as he sat in his underwear watching television. When Mary's son Harry, who had an IQ of 79 was questioned by police and failed a polygraph test, he broke down and confessed to everything. The trial was described as a carnival and a literal media circus with many of the Lobster family's fellow sideshow performers testifying in court. He was a disabled man one of them told the jury but that didn't prevent him from doing some of the things other men do. Mary and the children testified in detail about the abuse that the family had endured for years. When the prosecution argued that Grady's birth defects would have made it impossible for him to abuse the family in the way that they claimed, Grady III got on the floor and scooted across the courtroom to, quote, show them my dad wasn't a helpless invalid. Mary recalled the night that she knew something had to be done. He was kneeling by my bed, breathing that steel whiskey breath. He was drawing a knife across my throat. Then he dropped it and crawled away. In defense of her decision to kill her husband, Mary Teresa stated, My husband was going to kill my family. I believe that from the bottom of my heart. I'm sorry that this happened, but my family is safe now. Chris Wyant was sentenced to 27 years in prison, but was released in 2009. Harry Glenn Newman, Jr. was sentenced to life in prison and died behind bars in 2014. Mary Teresa was sentenced to 12 years in prison and was released in 2000. Grady Stiles, Jr. was buried alongside his father, Grady Stiles, Sr., at Sunset Memory Gardens near Tampa, Florida, in the showman's section. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.